All right, welcome to GlitchCast, the official podcast of GlitchUp.com. I'm Austin Linsmeyer, that's Andy Lavelle, Yo. back again. I just finished Stranger Things Season 2. I'm, like, going between being super depressed that it's over and, like, super hype, just, like, from, like, the feeling of finishing it. So, I'm gonna... Yeah, I mean, it, it came out yep. last night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's still pretty late or last no, night. Ni- Thursday night, yeah. Thursday at midnight. So, uh, so, yeah, I have a problem, and I'm gonna be a roller coaster of emotions throughout this podcast, so... So the majority of our listeners won't be probably won't be done just yet if this hits like Tuesday, Wednesday, like they'll still be pushing through it. So I think we plan to break all this down on the next podcast to make sure that everyone's done. Uh, mostly people will be done and we don't because I don't think it'll be so hard to talk yep. about the whole season without spoilers. I think it'd be a good content for next. Yep, episode. definitely. We will we will cover it all next episode. And, you know, even if you aren't finished, we'll try and we'll try and separate it by spoilers and non-spoilers. It should be should be easy yes. enough to do, although it'll be mainly spoilers. Let's get right into news of the week here. First movie news of the week. A Deathstroke film is in the works at DC from Gareth Evans, who was the uh, writer and director of the Raid movies, which are, uh, I believe, from Thailand, I think. And they were just pretty pretty badass action thriller movies, essentially just a group of cops going into a tall building and fighting bad guys. I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen Raid 1 or 2, but I've heard they're incredible action Yeah, Raid movies. 1 is insane. The the fighting choreography is off the charts. Yeah. Oh, you've seen it? Deathstroke was originally supposed to be the villain in the upcoming The Batman movie. Apparently that's not happening anymore because mm. he's going to get his own movie. It's going to be Joe Manganiello. Manganiello? Something like that. Man- Mangiello? <laughs> no, no. Our female listeners oh, yeah. will be able to tell us, I'm sure. They'll have it down. Uh, in Magic Mike, he was... The two female yeah. listeners. He's a he's a big, muscular, muscular man. I don't know. It, I thought Deathstroke was who Will Smith played in Suicide Squad. Yeah, so comic book super fans are just laughing at us right now. Uh, actually, you might be right, because I don't really know this whole story. I do like that guy, Joe. Um Loved him in True Blood. Always thought he was like a big beefy dude. I'm like, where has this guy been? He's like kind of older, but good actor, beefy guy. Like this, I think is a good fit. Yeah, apparently Deathstroke is actually different from Will Smith's character. Will Smith's character is Deadshot. Deadshot. Both yes. in the DC universe, you think that they might have, you know, separated names a little bit. Who's who's going to be the next guy? Kill Trigger or something like that. Yeah, oh, Gun Man. But it's interesting that they're doing this. They're taking a villain that clearly we don't know and we know a fair amount. And they're just going to give him his own movie. Interesting move, but I, if it's going to be action based, they got the right director for it. So, I think it's a fan favorite. Like we aren't comic yeah. book nerds; we're more comic book movie nerds. Like, so we haven't been reading comic books our whole lives. At least I haven't. I don't think <laughs> nope. you have. Um, I think he's a fan favorite. I'm pretty sure comic book nerds are pumped about this. And great choice in the director. I don't think he's done any like United States not, films. No, nope, yet, not yet. He? So that'll be that'll be cool. Yep. Next bit of news here is uh, the movie The Snowman, which came out last week, arrived to horrendous reviews, just getting torn apart left and right. The director of that movie, I believe his name is Tomas Alfredson. He directed uh, the Let the Right One In, um, the famous Swedish vampire movie. He is just blasting this movie in interviews all last weekend, like leading up to its release, which, I mean, clearly did not help. It was already getting ripped apart by critics, but usually it might be able to survive. A director ripping apart his own film, not really great. He essentially said, yeah. wasn't able to shoot 15% of the movie. Uh, the script was never ready. They did a bunch of like auto dubbing, um, and they just like didn't have time to do it. And essentially, just was like, yeah, it was a, it was a disaster. 
wow. I mean, that has to hurt as a director. You put all your time into this and then you end up having to put out something that you're not comfortable with and you don't believe in. That sucks. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen some of this. Like, he couldn't shoot, like, 20% of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this... We, we gave him all the clues, but he couldn't get the movie. Apparently, released. the issue is... Uh, I don't know if this was a Sony film. feels just like a Sony thing to happen. I don't know if it was them. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they had... I think it might have been Fincher was on to direct, and then he dropped out, and then they wanted to get the movie rolling, so they hired this guy right away. But somehow they still like they the script wasn't ready and they just sent him to Norway to mm. shoot and then he was like he he got in the editing bay and post production was like oh shit we don't have the whole movie oh god what a disaster and they just put it out yep. anyway like eh, it has fast bender in it this will sell <laughs> they had they had two different yeah. editors make two different cuts of the movie they had this dude brought on an editor to make it and then it was just apparently just like a mess because it was missing a quarter of the movie essentially and then scorsese was producing it and he brought on like his editor who was supposed to be like the best editor of all time and like she tried like doing something with it and it just turned into like a mishmash of like two different ideals there i wonder if we'll see the other version someday or if we'll ever get like a director's cut and that just makes the movie this like awesome Uh, i think you and i both thought the trailer looked cool we wanted to see this and potentially review it and then it just got trash reviews so we'll 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 hold on that one almost deserves a review for being so bad but it's not even like so bad it's good it's just like a terrible movie right just bad shazam is another dc movie universe movie that is going to be releasing in april 2019 this is coming from David Sandberg, who made Lights Out, uh, Annabelle Creation. So it's kind of a weird jump from horror into a more comedic huh. style superhero. Shazam, to give background, is a superhero. He's a, a, a kid, like a middle schooler, that can just turn into a fully beefcake superhero powerful guy by saying Shazam. Oh, this is not the Shaq movie from our childhoods. <laughs> it is not, no. No. Okay. And playing Shazam will be Zachary Levi, famous for playing Chuck in the TV series Chuck. Yes. Wasn't he also like a tiny character in, in the Thor He was movies? in the second one. The first one, it was someone yeah. different. Got a little little Dario situation from Game of Thrones here. And then they oh, traded yeah. him out, put Zachary Levi in in the second. He was just like in there for like 10 minutes. I have always wondered, like, after Chuck, why he hasn't had, like, huge roles. So I'm, I'm happy to see him in the leading superhero role. I'll be all over this. I love Levi. Yeah, yeah, no, he he's cool. I love Chuck. Just probably one of my favorite series ever. It'll be... I didn't know that. I didn't know you were a oh, Chuck yeah, super fan. huge. Awesome. Huge. That's Loved great. It. Watched it when it was on. It was, it was amazing. It'll be interesting to see... How, I mean, obviously in Chuck, he was just sort of like a guy that, you know... Ter- just fumbling yeah, fumbling around. around like, turn, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Turning him in, kind of like being a badass. This kind of, I guess, it could be kind of similar because it's like a kid turning into a badass. So it's kind of like figuring out like their own powers, kind of thing. Should be interesting how it works out. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't have, I don't know the source material, but love Levi. Would love to see. Apparently, this. the villain originally for this Shazam movie was going to be Black Adam, played by The Rock. Of course. Ooh, it feels like The Rock could also play this character anyways, but apparently yes. he's going to be that guy. And now they're doing the same thing like they did with Deathstroke. They're just completely separating it, and Black Adam is getting his own solo movie instead of being the villain in this. Oh, do we know the villain in Shazam or the director or anything like that? Um, we do not know the villain. So the director before, David Sandberg. 
Yep. Oh, my bad. Nice. Next bit of movie news here is Jordan Peele's next movie, although Jordan Peele producing yes. movie, not directing, directed by Spike Lee, oh. is the Black Klansman movie. Latest news on that is Adam Driver is joining the cast in a co-leading role as a uh, Jewish un- investigative undercover <laughs> officer that works for whatever agency or police force that is uh, going undercover in this Klansman thing. Uh, basically, this is about a this is a true story. This is about an African American police officer that went undercover into the KKK, rose up the ranks, even though he is black, <laughs> and then like took him down or something like that. Uh, that guy is being wow. played by Denzel Washington's son. Uh, what's he been in? Mm, I think he was in Ballers. Nothing people would. Rec- the TV show Ballers. Okay. <laughs> sounds like he's getting a big break here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This this sounds really great um spike lee always <laughs> good if not controversial movies yeah. yeah jordan peele produced um this guy's got a lot of credit now after get out and adam driver just continuing to, to choose really good roles yeah interesting i'm not the biggest spike lee fan gonna be honest although i also haven't no, really seen really. his best movies because they were just before my yeah. time i guess yeah i mean he hasn't i don't think he's made a good movie in a in a hot minute so this is an interesting, interesting thing. But he does seem to do better when it's racially charged kind of stuff. So yeah, hopefully he doesn't mm-hmm. make it a character of the situation, though, which kind of seems like something he would yeah. do. Next bit of news is, oh, this is a shocking one. A couple of podcasts ago, we straight up just assumed that this might not actually happen, even though there's a bunch of news coming out about it. Venom production has began with Tom Hardy. It's happening. Riz Ahmed, Michelle Williams. It's happening. Tom Hardy doing mocap for Venom. Even I, I don't like I don't know what that means. I guess like once he transforms into Venom, he's gonna be like doing like what Andy Serkis does for like Gollum and Yeah, I mean usually they mm-hmm. outsource it and somebody else much more athletic does the mocap, but they're going all in on Tom Hardy. I would imagine Tom Hardy's fairly athletic. Seems like the kind of guy. It might that be. is true, but probably not versed in mocap. No, 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 no. <laughs> what was interesting about this news is that Andy Serkis, the guy who just like made mocap famous and like perfected it. Is the one that like released this news? Not even like the production company or like the people behind it. Tom Hardy didn't even say it. Andy's like he, Andy Serkis was doing an interview for something else, and he was like, "Yep, Venom production began. Tom Hardy's gonna do mocap." It's probably because he lost his job <laughs> to Tom Hardy, and he's like, "God damn it! This is why I know this news. Like, I just got the call for for once. I'm not doing mocap." <laughs> oh man. It's a rough life. Back to Venom here. Do you think that this movie is going to be good now that it, like it's officially happening? Is it still Sony? Yep, still Sony. No, then no. No faith no, at all? Not a chance. No, come on. Yeah, I love Tom Hardy, but... Ugh. What bad movies has Tom... I'm, I'm jaded. What bad movies has Tom Hardy done? Uh, what was the one when he, he like played his twin mm, in some legend. movie? Yeah, that, that was, didn't get that much was weird. Then there was another one where it was just him in a car the whole time. That was a I good think. movie, though. That yeah. was good? Okay. No, I don't know. I guess. He picks good yeah, roles. Yeah. I guess I guess we'll see what happens. I still, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just like so shocked. Do you, do you have faith? I have a little have bit of faith. The fact that it went into production is astounding to me. So I guess that builds it up a little bit. Yeah, it, it's going <laughs> to, to happen. To. In more hilarious news, a Dora the Explorer movie is in the works from Nicholas Stoller, who uh, is comedy director. I believe he made Forgetting Sarah Marshall, actually. He might have directed that. 
Oh, yes. And it's being produced by Michael Bay. Although, I gotta put an asterisk there. Apparently, it's just Michael Bay's production company that is producing it, but, like, his name is still on the movie. When I first heard this news, I thought, Gritty, Dora the Explorer? Explosions in Dora the Explorer? (laughs) How are they gonna make that happen? That would have been amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been... Hilarious bad, uh, but I can see the tone of this movie taking the same tone as like the new Jumanji movie, where it's like massive set pieces and stuff, but not really gritty or anything. Dora the Explorer is like you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Dora the Explorer though is like a strictly like child thing. Like Jumanji at least reached right, to but other audiences like originally. Do little kids still watch? Like do do toddlers still watch Dora the Explorer, or do the t- toddlers that watch Dora the Explorer are they like? in line to see this Jum- new Jumanji movie. Like, are they ready for mm. a more serious Dora the Explorer take? That's what I'm, I'm thinking. They're just chasing the money and the people who still liked... You're like, who grew up with Dora the Explorer? Because it's been out forever, right? Yeah. Like, 10 yeah, years it's now? Been, it's been... Yeah, it's been a really yeah. long time. It just feels like a weird thing to make a movie on. I guess I don't... I, don't, I, just, for I sure. just don't know. Especially live action, yeah. too. It's so weird. I think they're just... They're, I'm going to go with my gut on what I just said. Like, they're trying to find, like, tickle the nostalgia bone, like, right away before it's even nostalgia for the people who grew up with yeah, this. Yeah. Grew up with Door the Explorer. So, Fair. I don't know. Fair enough. Hilarious. Yeah, guess, Could be hilarious. Guess see that happen. Hopefully, Michael Bay swoops in and just steals the director's chair and makes my <laughs> dreams come true. Yeah. Geostorm was a movie that released last weekend starring Gerard Butler, one of those just worldwide disaster movies. On track to lose $100 million. Apparently, they didn't get the memo that disaster movies aren't in anymore. <laughs> because guess what? We're living in a disaster. <laughs> like, we have Trump as our president. There are hurricanes and tsunamis. Like People don't want to watch disaster movies anymore. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And it, like it, back in, like what was it, 2012, there was like a few disaster movies that like came out because everyone was like, oh, the world's going to end on... In December 21st, oh, yeah, 2012, yeah. or whatever. I mean, 2012, Roland Emmerich is, like, the only type of yeah. movie he makes. Um, the, I think the last one that people thought, like, actually enjoyed and actually made a lot of money was um, The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, right? and like, that was, That's the last yeah. one I remember as being, like, remotely yep. okay. And that you've got... I think they've just been invalidated by all the shark versus tornado <laughs> and, like, all those crazy movies. And now, like, everybody assumes disaster movies are just trash, yeah. which... They have yeah. been. <laughs> Gerard Butler also not a good draw. I'm gonna be honest. Every time I see him now, and we'll talk about this soon. In like, there's a trailer he's in where he's like a badass cop. I just laugh when I see him now. <laughs> he like he ta- he's been taking some shitty. He roles. also, I mean, he's gotta make that money. He gotta catch them checks. Yeah. He doesn't like. He doesn't know how to do an American accent. They keep casting him ha- as an actual American person. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. just struggling through his, whatever, Scottish accent to... P.S. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So this movie is going to lose a lot of money. I'm surprised it's not more money, to be honest. I think we've seen the last disaster movie. I mean, yes, like Transformers, like that's a disaster movie, right? You've got giant robots destroying... But I mean, like natural mm-hmm. disasters are like what could be thought of as a natural disaster, I think, are done yep. for a while. I agree. Rob Zombie. Until VR comes into play, I'd love to, I'd love to be in a tornado in VR. So, like, I think that once be, that becomes a thing, and like, yeah, that ugh, could be pretty cool. But v, uh, destruction movies like that done. That would be frightening. I believe at Universal mm-hmm. Studios there is a uh, there's a twister like 
experience thing that you go through. And when I went there, when I was like nine years old, I thought it was so real, and I just like started crying because I thought there was a tornado going on. I, That's what I'm saying. Like, imagine now with like VR and like Oculus. Oh like, God, this would be awesome. Be frightening. Oh, cool. Rob Zombie, is he like the singer for something? Yeah, of course. Living Dead Girl. Um, God, I can't remember his other okay. songs. But he also Rob Zombie is a. He singer, also makes yes. horror movies, and uh, he, The Devil's Reject or Devil's Rejects, rejects maybe both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One. Yep. Um, he has announced a sequel to that movie. I did not see the first movie. The first movie was pretty good, actually. What? Really? It's one of like, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing it, and I remember it being good. Uh, maybe if I, I mean, I probably saw it. 12 years ago whenever it came out and i remember like it being okay like a bunch of freaks out in the desert radiation poisoning um they capture a couple people in a an rv and just do weird stuff to him at one point a guy bites a bird's head off and tilts it upside down and lets all the blood and guts go into his mouth so it is a straight up gore horror movie but i remember it being pretty good um i'm I'm down i'm down with the sequel of this being really gory and horrific but also pretty creepy Although I heard there was a lot of controversy around what he did with the latest, I think, Halloween movie. Yep, apparently. And he people didn't like that redo. Yeah, apparently that, that, that was terrible, and that doesn't really make me interested in watching anything that he's done, to be honest. Also, the name Rob Zombie. <laughs> Fuck you with that name. <laughs> yeah, a little bit on the nose, <laughs> isn't it? So dumb. My name's Mark <laughs> Ghoul. Uh, at least make a zombie movie. Give Devil Rejects a try. It's pretty Jeff good. Goldblum has a small but significant role in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the upcoming Jurassic Park movie. He wasn't in Jurassic World, nor were any of the original cast, um, except for, uh, what's his face? The the one dude. Oh, oh B.D. Yes, Wong. Yes, B.D. Wong. That badass. Yes, B.D. Wong, my man, my main yep. man. Or woman, depending on what you're watching. <laughs> Yep, so he was the only original cast member in Jurassic World. Jeff Goldblum, coming back. Small but significant. What does that mean? Is he going to (laughs) die? Have you seen that video? Yes. (laughs) It's so good. Google (laughs) Jeff. I got him going. (laughs) Uh, Google Google Jeff Goldblum. You gotta got Google Jeff, got Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park laugh and just watch the video. There's like <laughs> loops of it for like an hour that you can just watch. It's the laugh when he's like in the airplane and they're like discussing something. And at one point, Jeff Goldblum's just like, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> there are a couple edits out there, and it's somebody made like an amazing song out of it. But anyway, anyway, back back to this news. Google Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park laugh, and you'll have fun. Oh my god, as much fun as we're having. <laughs> you think he's gonna die in uh, this this upcoming role? I I don't think so. I think I think he'll do like a like a TV interview or something or, or come in as like a consultant or something. I, I don't, I, I, th- I don't, I don't think they'll make the same mistake. Other movies have made trying to shoehorn people into these. Oh, you mean like independence re- day resurgence? Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, the literally don't make the same exact mistake you made for independence day resurgence. Yeah. I don't think he'll die. Yeah. I'm interested in like what he'll do, but I guess I just have to wait. I also don't know where Jurassic world is yep. going to go itself. I don't, I don't know where they're going with it. 
from here. It feels like people are just giving up yeah, on dinosaurs they, at this point. If they open another park, for God's sake, <laughs> come on. You cannot open you cannot try to open another park again. They will that would be the dumbest plot. So Fallen Kingdom, I feel like, is similar to Lost World. They're like they're going back to a site mm-hmm. to try and recoup like take back the land from the i don't know okay. we'll see I, I i love jurassic park jurassic park's in my top 10 favorite movies so um we'll be here for this day one regardless of whether goldblum's in it or not for sure for sure for sure that's it for movie news this week let's move on to tv news now american vandal the true crime satire mockumentary kind of thing that was on netflix has been renewed for a season number two and it's going to be set in a entirely new story they didn't exactly wrap up the story in season one um but they're doing an entirely new plot new story um switching up locations i think the same like main like documentarian actors are gonna be the main guys though so guys american vandal is about dick drawing wait right am i on the right track yep that's that show okay i haven't watched it so american vandal is about dick drawing in a high school and Mm -hmm. who done it it is kind of a mockumentary satire in the vein of making a murderer. Um, and yeah, I've heard it is hilarious stuff. I'm happy that season two is coming, but have not watched it yet. What, what's your take on this show? Uh, I loved it. It's a, it was nice. It was one of the best things that Netflix has put out. It's not just really funny and clever in the way that it makes fun of like something like serial or making a murderer. It's actually like a good enthralling mystery like you are you like wanna figure out like you you like can't stop watching it's just like addicting yeah i remember you saying like you're like oh my god i gotta watch the next episode and this is about the dick drawing show so i'm I'm impressed interesting it'd be interesting how they sort of transition into a different storyline but make it still fresh enough to like continue making fun of what they were making fun of and not just rehash the same shit that they were doing before The Orville, uh, Seth MacFarlane's sort of Star Trek parody spinoff passion project here. But also a bit serious, yeah. Uh, Has hit a series high in ratings. Apparently it's good. Fans fans love it. Um, Although apparently critics don't, interesting enough. You said you did not expect this this show to do well and that if it... I told you to lock it up that I will not watch the show. And if they renew it for season two, I will. I will watch it. So I'm still shocked that it has hit a series high. And I'm, uh, I'm going to get proven wrong here. Yeah, they're yet to renew it for a season two. But you're probably shaking in your boots here for uh, I am. all these, yeah. all these high ratings. I, I didn't. This is crazy. Seth MacFarlane-led re- live-action Star Trek parody has failure on Fox written all over it. So I'm, I'm blown away. I might have to give this one a chance. But I'm going to stick to my guns and if it gets renewed i'll watch it if not it's gonna fail fair enough fair enough i have not given it a chance i probably won't just not a star trek guy so <laughs> ever <laughs> yeah that's why i don't make promises like the ones you made <laughs> damn it <laughs> vincent d'onofrio d'onofrio something like that i <laughs> vincent d'onofrio uh who played kingpin in season two of daredevil is going to be back for season three, and they're also bringing on a new showrunner, so literally the third showrunner, actually the fourth showrunner this show has had. Wow. So he's one of the best actors of all time. I love this guy, and I thought he was really imposing as Kingpin. Um, I'm happy to have him back. I don't think this means he's the main villain. Clearly they'll have somebody else, but 
He's always a good addition. So he was the main villain of season oh, one, yeah, you're right. right? Yeah, season, season two. two yeah. But he does come back a little for season two in a couple like yep. jail yep. scenes, I think. Yeah, so very happy to to have him back for season three. He's always a good. Yeah, addition. he played. He killed that role. It was he was like yeah. Slayed he was it. like yeah. you said. He was really imposing, but he was also like had like this sort of sensitivity like a to big him. Bear tenderness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was interesting. He was like really like kind of socially awkward too. I, man, he he knocked it out of the park. Like. I couldn't tell if he was like he just wanted to like give me a hug or bash my yeah. head in between a car door and you know <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. scene. Interesting that they're on their fourth showrunner here. I guess like the previous show, the showrunners for season two uh, were the showrunners for the Defenders, that the, like the Marvel superhero mm-hmm. team up on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why they needed a new one. But it's sort of kind of troubling that they can't just like lock one down to continue running it. Yeah, this this is their premier Marvel Netflix show. Like, you would think this would attract a lot of talent. So it's weird that they're bouncing around. Hopefully, it doesn't spell trouble. I did think season two was a, a minor drop from season one of Daredevil, but still very enjoyable. Agreed. Agreed. Ryan Murphy, uh, famous for American Horror Story and American Crime Story and Glee, um, <laughs> has a new series coming out called Pose, also on FX because he just pumps that shit out for them. Starring Tatiana Maslany, James Vanderbeek, Kate Mara, and Evan Peters. Evan Peters, will he ever do anything that isn't with Ryan Murphy? We will never know. This is about this is about different sections of society in New York in the eighties, I believe. That's I, I guess it's pretty much it. Just sort of like how they intersect and interact with each other. Um, it's yeah. I think I think I read a couple of them are playing trans characters. Um, so it's kind of a take on what society was their view of them around then. Yep, they actually cast, yeah. like, seven transgender uh, actors to play roles in this, which is, like, the highest amount for a series or something, which, you know, that's, like, a Ryan Murphy thing to do. Good for him. Good yep. good on that. Um, should be interesting. I, I guess I don't have much to say about it other than Evan Peters. Find something else to do. Yeah, I mean, he did Quicksilver, yeah. but, like, I want to see this guy in movies. I, I yeah. like the guy, um, and I think he's not wasted in constant Ryan Murphy TV, but, like, I want to see him do other stuff. Yeah. Um, I think if this is anything like American Crime Story, like, not clearly going to be similar in mm-hmm. tone or anything, but I really enjoyed that show, having hated about 50% of American Horror Story and loving about 50%, or, like, probably even less. But if this is anything like American Horror Story Hotel and like, is, like, super flamboyant and weird, like, I hated that season. Yeah. So... It, Ryan Murphy's hit or miss for me, but definitely we'll give this one a shot. The Walking Dead season premiere of the latest season premiered last Sunday. Series premiere low. That being said, still really high compared to oh, other yeah. shows and other series premiere, but a series premiere low, which I did not contribute to these numbers. I did not watch it. I haven't watched it, any of the episodes yet. Have you? No, I have not. First I... time since... How many seasons? I believe is this, this now? is eight. Yep. Eight. In eight, first time in eight years, I haven't watched The Walking Dead live. I have grown bored by it. I think it's just treading water. <sighs> I'm just burnt out on this. Show. Yep, agreed. So I gave up. I'm I'm yep, part of the. I problem. gave up midway through last season and have not looked back. And I think this is an indicator that other people are feeling the same way that we feel. Yeah, I've been reading some, I've been seeing some headlines on like Reddit and stuff where it's just like, people are frustrated. Um, People, like the people who even watched it are like, okay, it's time. I'm giving up on this show. 
you know, the characters making dumb decisions, being right in front of the main antagonist. Everybody has guns. Nobody shoots the guy. Like, nobody can hit a shot. Like, slow brain-dead zombies killing agile people out of nowhere. Just, like, dumb stuff happening left and right. Do you think if they came out and said, all right, we are going three more seasons and then we're done... And that gave fans an idea that they have an end game here. Do you think that more people would mm-hmm. watch it or like continue watching it? It would get me back because I think right now I have a like in my mind they're going twenty more seasons and I, I just how many times can you rehash yeah. the same thing? If they told me we have a storyline in place, we know what the end game of this is, I'd be more interested to, to tune in for the final three four seasons. Uh, that's a great idea. And I think if the ratings keep dropping for one of the biggest television shows ever, and AMC is like Golden Child right now, I think they might have to do this because certainly this isn't a show that's going to be canceled. Mm-hmm. They're going to get an ending someday. Yeah. I, I would love to see it, like by a, by season ten. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. AMC just doesn't have any other hits right now. They 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 don't have anything else left. Better Call Saul is supposed to be really good. I actually that's in my what you watch and I just started. Um, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think a lot of like a ton of people are watching it though, which is right. Yeah. Critically, yeah, critically, though, it's killing doing it really yeah. well. And then, and then, critically, Halt and Catch Fire doing that really finished, well. But done, I think yeah. that's yep. over. But yeah, not a lot of people watch that. But yeah. All right. right so now that we've hit all the movie and TV news of the week, let's move on to trailers. This week we have no TV trailers, but we do have six movie trailers. A nice spread, like as always. The first movie this week. That released a trailer. This is actually the second trailer, but we weren't around for the first trailer. Is Bright, the biggest Netflix movie to date, starring Will Smith and Joel Edgerton, uh, Numi Rapace, Rapace, something like that. Numi yep. Rapace. That's mm. what I say. That's yep. what I call it. And directed by David Ayer, who directed End of Watch, wrote Training Day, directed Suicide Squad, all that jazz. This is about. This is. This looks weird. It is set in a world where mystical creatures <laughs> live side by side with humans. A human cop is forced to work with an orc to find a weapon everyone is prepared to kill for. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, this looks like uh, your average buddy cop movie, but with different species. Um, so I was going to say it looked kind of like a training day type movie, like cop movie, mm-hmm. end of watch type style movie. So it makes sense that it's air. Uh, the trailer two for me didn't hit as well as trailer one. Trailer one, I was like, "Oh my god, this looks awesome!" Trailer two had come to the, some of those shitty cliche buddy cop lines, like when they're in the middle of a high ch- stakes chase and they're shooting people, and but they're like quipping back and forth, and like some of those didn't land for me. But the premise of this is great. It's like the biggest budget Netflix has had for like a movie, I think. And Will Smith I'm agreed. I, I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, Max Landis wrote it. He's wrote a bunch of stinkers, uh, most notably Victor oh, von yeah. Frankenstein. He yeah. did write Chronicle too, though. He's he's hit and hit or miss. He he seems to do well with like pretty like the big idea stuff, but he doesn't really execute on a smaller level. This seems like they need to execute on a smaller level because it seems like they might be able to focus on like sort of some like racial metaphor themes. Um, Right. And it, the first trailer, I think, gave that off, but this one was sort of just trying to show you, like, the action and stuff, so. Yeah, and that, how about that line at the end? He's he's making fun of orcs, and he's like, I need all y'all Shrek-looking motherfuckers to go back to Fiona. Like, we get it. They're orcs. Come on, writers. <laughs> so hopefully it's not full of shitty jokes like that. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously I have a Netflix subscription. I will be watching this. Yep. 
Definitely. The next movie trailer of the week is for Winchester, The House That Ghosts Built. This is about uh, the... This is actually, you know, true story, air quotes, based on a real woman and a real house, based on the eccentric firearm heiress of the Winchester family. They created the Winchester rifle. Um, She thinks that she's haunted by the people that have been killed by the Winchester weapons. And so she essentially, like, goes crazy and starts building a house with a bunch of hallways and doors that lead to nowhere and all that kind of stuff. And apparently it's supposed to be, like, the most haunted house of all time. Helen Mirren stars in this as the heiress. Jason Clark is also in it um, as, I guess, like, a guy that is looking at the house, wants to buy it or something like that. Scientist yep, checking it out. guy, yeah. It looks like crap. Really? I thought it looked kind of creepy, but I don't really know. Like, it was creepy to me until the last 30 seconds, where it became jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. Yeah. I thought the premise looked kind of creepy. And, like, the, the first, like, half of the trailer, I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then it was like, <laughs> like, just the same crap. Yeah, I, I I think for me, I, I agree for the most part with you. I just it just looks like it's just sort of, oh. And you get these big actors. You get Helen Mirren, like Jason Clark's been in some really good stuff lately. It looks like it's just going to be a jump scare yeah. fest, like an unearned jump scare fest. Although I did, there was one yeah. move that they did make in the trailer. It was like a mirror scare, and they like faked it out yeah. like three times, and then they then they jump yeah. scared you. I was like, I was like, this movie, this trailer's been full of cliches. This is, there's going to be a, a dude in the mirror, but it wasn't. It was behind the mirror. Yeah, sneaky. Oh, they really S- got sneaky, sneaky stuff there. That comes out in January or February, I believe. So that means it's probably not great. But you know, steal that money. Yeah. Scary movie in January. Bold yep. move. Next up, we have Phantom Thread, which is sure to be an Oscars player this year from Paul Thomas Anderson uh, and Daniel Day Lewis is actually his last movie. He said he's going to retire, so... He'll be back. This is set in 1950s London. Reynolds Woodcock is a renowned dressmaker whose fastidious life is disrupted by a young, strong-willed woman, Alma, who becomes his muse and lover. Looks... I mean, it it looks like like an Oscar movie. Yeah, I was falling asleep during this trailer. (laughs) I can... Yeah, I can see that. Um... (laughs) So the master, I didn't really love. I thought it was sl- way too slow, and the source material fascinated me. The source material of this one already bores me to tears. Um, I think uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is a polarizing director. You've got movies like The Master, which are slow and brooding, and yes, there will be blood is slow and brooding as well. But I was riveted during that movie. I, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I don't know. He's hit or miss. You want to hear something shocking? I've What's never that? seen a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Wow, I would love to 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 hear like Boogie Nights. You haven't seen no, Boogie I Nights, haven't Magnolia? seen Boogie Nights. All right, watch at least watch The Master and There oh, Will Be wait. Blood because then you can see like I Go lied. Ahead. I saw Inherent Vice and that shit sucked. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, I I think you'd really like There Will Be Blood, yeah. but he again he's hit or miss for me, and this one for me at least looks like a miss. Like he's a fashion designer and it's a love story, and it just looks so boring. It feels like it's, it, yeah, it's partially a love story, but it also feels like it's more about, like, his obsession with, like, right with her as his muse and, like, just owning his work and, like, that kind of stuff. So, clearly that's what yeah. it's going to be about, but I don't know. It it does look like it could be a, could be a snooze fest. <laughs> we'll see. 
<laughs> that comes out on Christmas, so you know, have fun going to see that on Christmas. Yeah, nice and uplifting. Yep. Next trailer is for Twelve Strong, formerly known as Horse Soldiers, the greatest title for a movie of all time, but they had to change it. <laughs> Twelve Strong uh, stars Chris Hemsworth, Michael Shannon, Michael Pena, Rob Riggle, a bunch of other people. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the grown up guy from Moonlight in his I guess his first role since then. Twelve Strong is about a it's a true story about um, the first special forces team deployed in Afghanistan after nine eleven. Essentially, it looks like they walk into quite a underdog situation to put it lightly yeah they're walking right into yep. a firefight it looks like riding horses versus tanks it's so the, the fact that they're riding horses i was like this they don't do that who would do that apparently that's true yeah what this this trailer got me hooked because i was like okay a 9-11 movie about like the very first action item that you know the the american government had very this looks this looks strong this is 12 strong. And then it was like, it's like dudes on horses versus tanks. This could be good. And then it got a little wacky at the end. Um, there's there, at one point in the trailer and I, I want to, I'm going to gif this and tweet it out. I started cracking up. It cuts to a scene where a horse is like laying down and then like it flips up and it just looks so dramatic and stupid. And then like two seconds later, it's like 12 strong. The story of the horse soldiers <laughs> just started cracking up. Uh, trailer started strong for me, ended silly. I thought the entire trailer was trash. The dialogue felt weird. It just is clearly trying to be like, we're a true war story movie, and we're trying to make you feel good, but also feel kind of sad at the same time. So, yeah, the, the, the slow, old, emotional, like, what was the song that was in it? I can't remember, but it was an alternate version of the song, slowed down and really emotional. Ugh, it's just like, oh, man. It just looks like it was doesn't know how to do that sort of thing. The only people that should be doing that thing are like Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. Cause Lone Survivor was great. Right. They made, I mean like Deepwater Horizon is a war movie, but that was also pretty good. And Patriot's Day mm-hmm. was actually really well done for the amount of people that hated on it coming out. Um, yeah, I just don't, I just don't think I other agree. people can, uh, can do it as well. And this just looks like fucking garbage to me. So <laughs> it like made me angry. Um, wow. The, I'm, I'm going to gift that horse clip. You're going to crack up. <laughs> the next trailer we have is 24 Hours to Live. This is about uh, an assassin or like a guy that was in the army, it seems like, uh, who yeah. is essentially given 24 hours to live. Imagine that. And he just is seeking redemption or vengeance on whoever did this to him or whatever happened. Starring Ethan Hawke and Davos from Game of Thrones. I think it's the villain, it seems like. Yeah. This just looks like a ma- mashup of, like, John Wick. It's from the producers of John Wick, so that makes sense. And, like, Crank, that starred Jason Statham. No, John Wick and uh, In Time. Oh, and, well, I, okay, In that... Time is another one that would go in there, too, yeah. Because he's got the little, he's got the yeah. numbers on his wrist. First off, Ethan Hawke's looking old. Oh, so this almost came to, this almost looked to me like old guy <laughs> being a badass, an action badass, like, in the vein of Taken and stuff. He's got like a a watch in his wrist, similar to in in is it in time? Yep, in time. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, you're you're right. It's an it's a mashup of in time, John Wick, and yeah, it looks okay. I loved Davos from Game of Thrones. He's he's my underrated MVP of that show. So I'd like to see him as a villain to see what he can do. A lot like the kill count looks really high. Look looks like a popcorn flick. Yeah, it definitely it looks like a popcorn flick. Looks like someone that would go straight to on demand. 
Although looking at IMDb yeah. page right now, the release date that comes up right under the title name is October 26th in Kuwait. So if you live in Kuwait, oh, lucky you, you get to go see this next week. <laughs> Let us know. Oh, shit. It's already out. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's been out for two days. <laughs> Hopefully you Ku- Kuwaitis. I don't know. Kuwaitians. Kuwaitians, yeah. Have, that, have seen this. Uh, that's the preferred nomenclature. Yep, yep. Tweet us when you uh, when you go see 24 Hours to Live. Our last movie trailer of the week, last trailer of the week overall, is for Journey's End. This is about, this is set in World War I, um, set in a dugout in, whew, how do I say this, Eisne? Eisne? Something like that. Um, story of a group of British officers who are led by it seems like a a guy that is having quite a bit of trouble mentally just stuck in like a bunker it kind of seems like um there's a really young soldier that is trying to find him and then i guess he finds him i was a little confused by the trailer not not cleared up at all from the imdb description stars sam claflin who was in me before you he was the uh quadriplegic guy and he was also in the hunger games movie as the dude with like the big axe Uh, thing or whatever uh yep finnick and yeah. Paul Bettany and Asa Butterfield, who was in um, Ender's Game and other things. Uh, I knew I recognized that weird-looking yep. dude. I mean, the the trailer, although I was confused by the trailer, I mean, it looks it looks pretty good. It looks like a pretty, pretty powerful story. Yes, the source material is the most serious thing we tackle on this podcast, World War I. Um yeah, it looked it looked good. I mean, this will be one that I feel like I need to watch, and it'll be really good, and then I'll never want to watch yep. it again. Yep. Yeah, you know? I agree. Sh- like Twelve Years a Slave <laughs> yeah. or something. Like I owe it to the nation and society to watch this movie. It looks yeah, good. I agree. I'm really really interested in how they play with the uh, the sort of mental state of the captain or officer or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it interesting how that's gonna play out especially because he's like he like seems younger than other people in the platoon right. or whatever you want to call it and and people are probably second yeah. guessing him like yo do you really know what you're doing yeah. mm-hmm. should be interesting that comes out in january next year so a little bit after award season but you know should be looks i mean it looks like it would be an awards player but it's coming out after mm-hmm. you order from amazon uh, every once in a while, no, Amazon has taken over my life. I order dry goods like cereal, like through Prime Pantry. I do Amazon Prime Fresh for groceries. I get my deodorant, toothpaste through Amazon. It is I don't go to the store yep. anymore. And even if you don't buy as much from Amazon as Andy does, you still are undoubtedly buying some stuff. When you do that, why don't you help us out a little bit? If you go to glitchup.com/amazon, you're going to go to Amazon through that link anyways. Order through there. We get a little percentage kickback off of what you're paying. You're not paying any extra, but we get a little bit back. Helps us run the podcast better. Helps us run the site better. Helps us do a lot of things better. Glitchup.com slash Amazon. Full transparency. Here's how much we've made since we launched Glitchup.com slash Amazon. $1.60. $1.60. So this is not... <laughs> we're not quitting our jobs here. This is just to kick back the little things, hosting, um, domain name registration, stuff like that. Really appreciate it. Glitchup.com slash Amazon. Uh, hey, guys. Welcome back to GlitchCast. I have Luke LeBeau here, a very, very old, longtime friend of mine. Um, Luke, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? And um, I will try and remember how we met and how we became friends while you do that. 
<laughs> Thanks, Andy. Uh, hey, guys, this is Luke, uh, as Andy said. Um, I've known Andy for like 20 years. Right now, um, I am in Los Angeles, and I work for uh, Orion Pictures. Uh, it's an MGM label. Um, and uh, I'm a diehard horror fan, so I'm here to bring as much uh, grimy, bloody goodness as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, I think this is a, the perfect time to have you on and to talk horror for a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think we met in grade school and just instantly hit it off. Um, I have been forced to watch some of the best and some of the worst, some of the goriest, some of the most disgusting <laughs> things in your basement, <laughs> drinking Jameson, eating pizza. So I really do credit you to have me having the horror type interest because I wasn't really into to these types of movies until I met you. But whether I liked it or not, I got into horror movies when I met you. Oh, well, thanks, man. I'm glad to. <laughs> I'm honored to have uh, spearheaded your your love of horror. <laughs> yeah. um, on that note, um, I, I want to just go over, you know, how you got into horror, like when it started for you, like as a, like, was it? six years old, seven years old, three, like where your parents letting you watch weird shit, like when you were a kid um, and like how <laughs> that lasted with you through school, high school, college, and, and what led you to uh, your, your job now and, and kind of tell me your story if you could. Sure. Yeah. So um, I grew up watching horror movies and kind of sci-fi films and all sorts of like genre content um, with my dad mostly is where it started. Uh, and the first horror film that I actually like remember watching, and this probably wasn't the first one I ever saw, but the first one I remember watching um, was The Exorcist. And uh, I, I think I was about eight years old. Um, and at that time, I, I watched the movie and I, I really thought it was like a comedy. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious. You know, this chick was puking all over everybody she's spinning her head around like yeah. flying you know stabbing herself with a crucifix like all those things were funny to me and then um you know about five or six years later when i was finally in catholic school uh i rewatched the movie and was <laughs> mortified by it so yeah um but i remember you know as a kid my uh when my mom and sister would go out and have a have a girl's day or girl's night or whatever my dad would always rent uh, a horror film for us and it it would be anything from like friday the 13th films nightmare on elm street uh, all of those kinds of movies so i grew up you know with a love for it for pretty much my entire life at least as long as i can remember and uh you know being from the midwest you don't really think of being in the film industry as like an actual career uh mm -hmm not many people really just kind of understand that that's attainable and it's a hard industry to get into but so i went to school and studied advertising and public relations and uh, marketing and uh i was working for a sports marketing company a couple of years out of college and which i enjoyed but didn't love and um uh, one day i got laid off we lost a client and uh, I, I was that was like my first oh shit adult moment um, where I didn't know what to do. And uh, so I sought, I sought out a uh, career counselor uh, and I had a few sessions with her and she kind of helped me identify what I'm passionate about and the things that I'm good at and my skill set and, and kind of marry these things. Um, and it, we ended up at uh, entertainment marketing with a focus on horror, thriller and suspense uh, films. 
<laughs> and you know, again, nailed being it. nailed, yeah, it. <laughs> it was it was pretty spot on. But again, yeah, being, I, you didn't you didn't need her for that. I could have told you that, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, damn, I I need my money back now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, you know, again, being a kid from the Midwest, you don't really think about it. But sure, uh, sure. At that point, I was like, I want to I want to do this. It's a perfect time. It's one of the only times in my life I'll be able to take a risk. So I applied to a bunch of jobs, but I knew that. Uh, you know, I knew that I didn't have any experience. I'd never been to LA. So I knew that I had to start from the bottom again. And um, so what I did is I applied for internships, unpaid internships. And, yep. and uh, one of the internships that I applied for was with Fearnet, which was a uh, TV channel. Um, that's uh, with RIP. Um, but uh, they responded to me and said, hey, if you decide to move to LA, we'll, we got a spot for you. So I decided a couple months later, I moved out and um, I went out there with the mindset uh, that I would work my ass off and essentially force them to hire me. Uh, and they hired me about a month in and, uh, you know, that's kind of like where my journey uh, into the horror industry began. Nice. So from FearNet, what, what happened there? Because I know FearNet went out of business. I know that probably broke your heart and I, I think, I, you know, you told me you had a lot of good times there, but. Um, from Fearnet, I believe, to Blumhouse was next? So Fearnet, um, I actually from there went to uh, Relativity Media, which was a, right. a film yeah. studio. Um, and there I worked on a few different campaigns from uh, The Woman in Black 2, uh, The Lazarus Effect, uh, which was a Blumhouse film, and then a couple others that uh, haven't been released, like Before I Wake and some other films. Um, but it was essentially... Uh, a relationship that I made, um, a, f a professional friendship that I made um, during my time at Fearnet uh, with someone at Blumhouse who has kind of personally spearheaded my career because I met her then and we just stayed in touch and, you know, had coffee every so often. And when Fearnet got bought out by Comcast, uh, she reached out and said, hey, you know, I want you to meet these people at Relativity. I think you'd get along. And uh, it ended up, you know, getting me a job there. And then when I left Relativity, um, she called me and said, hey, we're starting a new division at Blumhouse. And I I'd love to come, have you come in and meet the head of the division, John Hegeman. And uh, so I did. And it was like a, it was a perfect match. Like we get along really, really well. And, and, uh, and so from there, um, it just kind of blossomed. Nice. And yeah, I, I remember, you know, you're always posting about these, these great movies that Blumhouse is putting out. And when I saw you post that you were moving to Orion, I was like, does that company exist? And I saw, I saw that, uh, like the intro and I like, it just tickled a nostalgia, but I'm like, I remember seeing that intro when I was a kid. Um, so I want to hear about what Orion Pictures is up to and, and you know, what you're up to over there. Absolutely. So just like you said, Orion Pictures, that, that logo on its own, um, struck such a nostalgic chord with me. Um, and we, it has been about 20 or a little less than 20 years since Orion Pictures has had a theatrical film release. Um, MGM has been using it off and on for like VOD releases, but never anything theatrical. And Orion has been known for, you know, beloved classics like RoboCop and Silence of the Lambs and Dances mm -hmm. with Wolves, um, you know, Return of the Living Dead, Weekend at Bernie's, uh, you name it. Um, <laughs> like so many... So many yeah. great movies that you don't even think about. Um, Platoon, I mean, it's just, the list goes on. But anyway, so we worked on a film during my time at Blumhouse called 
the Belco experiment. And oh, um, great flick. It's awesome. It's yeah. uh, it's harsh, but it's awesome. And uh, and that was uh, it, we really co-released it with MGM under the Orion Pictures label, and that was the first theatrical film in, like I said, just under twenty years under that label. And it was widely successful. Um, we worked with James Gunn on it, and uh, which was a, a great pleasure. And uh, people just loved seeing the logo. They loved the Belco experiment. It really just kind of brought this new life into that brand. And, and uh, that's ultimately what led me over there um, from my time at Blumhouse was the Belco experiment. So now uh, we have a team that we've assembled, uh, a dream team, if you will, um, of people. And what we're going to be doing is uh, very similar films to that. Um, it's always going to be kind of this edgier, um, a little bit more risky type of films, whether it's a, you know, a dark comedy, whether it's uh, a science fiction film, whether it's a thriller, a horror, a suspense. I mean, we're going to be doing a lot of different things, but our goal right now um, is to release anywhere from four to seven films a year, maybe more, um, nice. just depending on how things go. But some of the things that we're going to be releasing next year will actually be announced, uh, I believe, next Friday. And uh, if, if you're a horror fan, these are uh, a couple of these announcements are things that um, no one will have seen coming and will nice. essentially what, what, what kids call it uh, break the internet. <laughs> oh, nice. So, yeah. Uh, so there, there's no chance I can convince you to exclusively announce on Glitchcast that announcement. Um, I, I cannot. <laughs> my lose your job. <laughs> I can give you some hints. Uh, we have tapped into the, uh, the MGM library and we are exploring a couple of big time um, reimaginings, if you will. So okay. uh, that's, that's what I'll, that's all I'll say right now. <laughs> all right. We don't, don't want to get you in trouble. Thanks. Um, man. <laughs> so throughout your, uh, your career, uh, I, I always see you post uh, these really cool memorabilia props that you get. Um, guys, check out uh, Luke's Instagram. It's Luke of horror, I believe. Yes. Luke of Horror on Instagram and Twitter. He's got a lot of cool stuff, good, great content there. But I wanted to know, like, you've probably amassed a ton of horror props. What are some of your favorite pieces of horror memorabilia? Um, and then if you had to pick one, what's your favorite that you've, uh, that you've received? Oh, man. And it's, it's my home and my office have turned into, like, a, a hoarder's uh, <laughs> episode for horror props and decorations and things. But um, they're all things that I've kind of amassed over the years and films that I've worked on and people that I've worked with. But um, if I had to pick a few things to, to choose from, I think one of my, probably my all time favorite horror decoration that I have is my life size um, Sam statue from uh, yes. uh, trick or treat. It's uh, it's literally uh, like three and a half feet tall. It's exact size and uh, measurements of the kid who played Sam. Um, awesome. And it's sitting in my living room. So um, I know right away if someone's going to be uh, my friend or not based on how they react when they walk into <laughs> my apartment. Um, so that is definitely a big thing for me. Also, um, I have a coffin shelf that uh, I have I, that houses all of my movies and some of my uh, other little figures and things, and it lights up and changes colors, and you know, that's a big thing for me. Uh, um, a couple other things. I have a, uh, a, a werewolf, essentially. It's, a, it's like a wall mount werewolf that a guy named chris andres um made for me and it's it's incredible it's on my instagram you can see it uh 
And then the other thing I'd probably have to say uh, is my Krampus mask that I have above awesome. my TV. Yeah. <laughs> and I have tons of cool posters and art and all sorts of things like that. But it's the actual physical props that really, I don't know, that, that really strike me. Yeah, man. I, I had a feeling you were going to say Sam. And, and I think people are going to think I'm obsessed with that movie because I, I talk about it all the time. It's like I watch it every year. It's such a perfect, like, homage to just halloween in general like it, it just oozes halloween and I, I can't get enough of it. it it really does man i don't think any film ever has captured uh, the atmosphere more accurately than uh than that one of you know halloween in october and everything yep. that mike doherty who's who's a good friend of mine um made that movie and he is working on another one right now but uh who knows when that'll come out but it's just it's taken such a, it's taken such a, it's taken the horror world by storm. I think that people um, have really, like you said, just grasped on to this new Halloween classic, and it, it kind of trumps a lot of the other traditional Halloween films we might normally watch. Totally, yeah. I was really excited to hear that he is working on Trick or Treat too, and yeah. I heard he is, he's actually working on the next Godzilla movie as well, Godzilla King of Monsters. Yeah, I think they just um, they just wrapped their filming, so that's uh, that's in the works. That's awesome. So, Luke, you have some tattoos. Can you uh, can <laughs> you give me? I don't. I don't. Need, I'm not going to put you through listing every one of them unless unless I'm sure you have them memorized. But talk to me about some of the tattoos that you have, and uh, you know what they mean to you, why you got them, like. Did you get them in certain times of your life to coincide with what's going on? Or were you just like, I feel like I need this on my arm right now? Like, talk to me about your tattoos and, and, and horror in general. Sure. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of a long-winded story, so stop <laughs> me if it's, uh, if it's too much. But uh, I, I started getting tattoos when I was 18, um, and I got them you know, in a small shop in Indiana. Um, none of them that I got back there ever really – were that well done. It was just more of like an adrenaline rush. Um, but moving out to LA, uh, you immediately, if, if you're trying to get into the tattoo world and you're interested in it, you immediately see the caliber of artists that are out here and it's a completely different uh, world. And really I, I had no idea the things that could be done with a tattoo machine um, that, that artists are capable of. So when I got out here, um, I promised myself that if I did make it in the industry, if I ever got a job and was able to pursue this career and make money off of it, um, then I would get a tattoo and just go from there. So the first tattoo that I got out here was actually, it's a set of eyes on the inside of my left arm and the eyes are looking up, um, you know, upward. They clearly see something. Uh, and, and in the, under the eyes, in the veins, it says, keep doubting. And that was kind of like my, you know, fuck you to, uh, you know, anyone who told <laughs> to me not world. to move out here. Yeah. yeah. And because uh, at that point I had, you know, I had secured a job. I was, I was making a living. I had a new place uh, to live and, um, you know, I was doing it. And so that is actually, I'll, I'll get into this film more, but that's actually a re reference to a, a line in, uh, in Martyrs, which is one of my favorite French oh, yeah. horror films. Um, but other than that, I mean, that kind of started my entire tattoo, you know, extravaganza, but <laughs> so that led to what now is an entire horror themed sleeve. And, um, on this sleeve I have, I can, I'm looking at them right now. I have a Xenomorph, um, uh, from yes. aliens. I have the Blair Witch Project. Um, 
I have uh, American Werewolf in London. I have uh, a creature from They Live. Um, of course, I have Chucky. <laughs> yep, I gotta have, have Chucky. Yeah, I've got to. Uh, don't fuck with the Chuck. Um, <laughs> I've got Children of the Corn, uh, The Omen, um, a uh, an image from Inside, another French horror film that we'll get into later. Um, the Red Face Demon from Insidious. Nice. Uh, Pinhead from uh, Hellraiser. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Leatherface, Jason, uh, Pazuzu from The Exorcist. Um, the thing, the poster from the thing, that image, and then uh, of course uh, the bunny from Donnie Darko, Frank. Very and, nice. And also, it's kind of rounded off at the top with uh, Black Christmas, which is uh, is is my favorite horror film ever. Um, really? Wow. Yes. Uh, and so uh, you know, getting out to LA, just kind of seeing what the artists can do, it really just inspired me. And I think being coming out here, it gave me a lot more freedom to just express myself with the things that I was interested in and the things that I enjoyed and uh, just opened my mind a little bit more. And, and so now I'm kind of covered in tattoos, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't change the type of person I am. It's just, uh, it's more of a hobby and it's fun. Yeah, man, they, they look awesome. Um, we'll throw an image up on Glitchcast's uh, Insta, sorry, Glitch Up Instagram. If you don't cool. mind, I'd love to show our audience. Uh, but yeah, it's really, really well done. Uh, you Thank got any you. room for, for like Babadook on there or what's next? Oh, uh, well, my arm is pretty much done. There's it's not taken, really, yeah. yeah, there's not really skin left. I'm working on a, uh, a full back piece that, um, I don't know what the timing is for that right now, but I, I do know it's going to be incredible. Um, and, uh, I do also have, uh, one of my favorite tattoos other than the one I mentioned, the eyes, um, is on my calf and it's a, uh, it's a portrait of Bloody Mary, which is an urban legend, of course, that everybody knows. Sure. Um, and it's, uh, I was always scared of that urban legend as a kid. So I thought, you know, what the hell, I'll, I'll just permanently uh, put it on my body. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Uh, so, Luke, so you have a lot of experience with social media. You consider yourself a social media influencer. Um, how do you think the rise of social media has affected the marketing of movies and specifically horror. I mean, this is what you do. Eat, sleep, live, breathe, poop. Like you, you are social and horror. So talk to me about not only how you use social media, you know, and, and just being an influencer, but like how Orion plans to use social media and how it influences the marketing of movies. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think that being in the career path that I'm at and uh, doing what I do, I, I not only have to apply it to, you know, the film, the projects that I work on, but I also have to kind of apply it to myself. And, you know, sadly now it, we're, our world is in a place where you're um, immediately judged by how many people follow you and how many this yep. and that you have on your page. So um, that's more of just something that I've kind of, you know, learned the tricks of the trade to grow an audience and maintain an audience. And, and that's just more of a professional thing that I like to keep in. And I just post about shit that I love. But um, from a marketing standpoint, social media has certain, certainly changed uh, everything. It's changed the entire approach to uh, filmmaking. It's changed the entire approach to uh, marketing. And, uh, you know, when you look at a film now, um, a lot of the things that you have to consider are what are key iconic moments that we can use on social media? What, uh, you know, what will the audience take from this trailer or this clip? And, uh, you know, people have no attention span now because of social media. So, 
you really have, you know, a few seconds to capture their attention. Um, so kind of the, the strategy has gone from linear storytelling to more um, captivating and stimulating content. And I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of trends that you see things go through. But what we do, um, essentially, uh, we do hyper-targeted wide releases. And what that means is, uh, you know, instead of releasing our film into 3,000 theaters everywhere and hoping everyone goes to see it, we, you know, figure out who our audience is and who's most likely to see the film. And we find, say, the best 1,500 or 1,700 theaters um, the top performing theaters for say horror or, you know, thriller or whatever it may be, we have access to that kind of information. And then we just target those theaters. So um, social media has changed all that because now you can really on a granular level, understand what people like, what people don't like, you know, what their consumption habits are, what they, you know, respond most positively to what kind of content they engage with. So it's really just about, adapting and understanding the trends and capturing people's attention because everybody is being bombarded with content being attacked by ads online you know everywhere you go so if you don't make your content seem like it's something that they would enjoy and capture them and you know immediately then uh, chances are they're going to scroll right down the page so it certainly yeah. changes the way that content looks and you know the strategy for how you roll it out but um at the end of the day, every campaign kind of is determined by how good the trailer is. That's what I yeah, always say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird that now, like, you're getting, in a trailer, you're getting a, a five-second mini-trailer before the trailer because that's, the, that's what's going to stop someone who's scrolling down, um, mm -hmm. you know, through their feed. You know, you get these quick tidbits of the trailer before the trailer just so you can try and capture these people's attention. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, that's that's something that we definitely do and, and um, are kind of like still continuing to learn best practices. But uh, it's something that filmmakers don't like because from an artistic yeah. standpoint, it, it just kind of cheapens what you're doing. But, um, I mean, not intentionally, but that's what they feel. And, um, you know, you really just have to find iconic moments that sell the movie the absolute best and throw them into five seconds and, and hope that that stops people where they are. Yeah. Um, on that same note, like, yes, social media is changing the, you know, the movie industry, but the movie industry as a whole is, is changing. Like they just mm -hmm. posted the, uh, the largest decline in, in a long time here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what, what are, what are things that you think theaters need to do, do to get asses back in those seats? Or, you know, is the future of widespread releases going to be home releases and, and video on demand and, and stuff like that? You know, is MoviePass going to get people into, into the theaters? I can tell you MoviePass has got me into the theater more. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think we, we do have a big problem with, um, with, with, with ticket sales declining and everything. What, what, what needs to change to get people back into the theater? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. You know, I think um, MoviePass is certainly a great step in the right direction for, um, for the theater circuits. And I think it's a brilliant way to kind of uh, – it's, it's incentive – and going to the movies and you feel like you're, you're almost making money if you go see a certain yep. number every month um and i think that's a that's a really really good step i i don't i i firmly believe that you know there's a lot of different trends happening um there's a lot of uh you know social economic issues out there right now and political issues out there right now but you know at the end of the day movies never go away um yep. it, it you know it sees its ups and downs and, and everything but 
when it comes to wide scale theatrical releases, like a film, you know, say like it or uh, Logan or something like that, you're never going to see that on, uh, on VOD. That's a kind of movie that the filmmakers, the, uh, the studios, et cetera, want you to see in the theater. Like that's a theater experience. Yeah, so you, would, you good, would hate for someone's first experience of seeing something like it or Logan to be on their smartphone. So absolutely, I hear you. You, the filmmakers want you to experience them how they imagined it. You know, the biggest best screen. So I agree with you there. And you know, I and totally, like Netflix is a, is amazing. Everybody in the world uses Netflix. Um, it, it's fantastic. Uh, all of these streaming services are giving you know independent filmmakers a voice, and they're kind of bringing back TV. Um, they are doing, of course, original films, and that does make an impact on um, theatrical releasing. But um, there's something magical about um, going to the movies and seeing a film, um, you know, with a large group of people and experiencing their reaction. Uh, you know, say Star Wars, uh, no one's going to watch that on demand. Everybody wants to see that in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what movie theaters have have to do is make the experience a little bit easier make it make buying a ticket easier find ways to incentivize people which they're doing and uh really just put the magic back into going to the movies and uh i think that they're certainly working on that they're taking all the right steps uh but i i don't see theatrical releasing ever going away i do see more hyper targeted releasing like what we do becoming um more prevalent but um movies will always be there no matter what i'll make sure of it i agree yeah, with you at the helm, <laughs> I, I trust that. Um, so uh, a couple more questions just about you and, and horror, and then, sure. then we'll get into to talking about some movies. Um, so horror, it's gone through a lot of phases. It's gone through a lot of you know hot you know, genres and many, mm-hmm. many types of movies. Like re- most recently, you had found footage, which started with Blair Witch, if I'm not mistaken, and has mm-hmm. kind of been run into the ground. Uh, is there a current trope that's going on right now that that bothers you or what's what's hot in horror right now or what do you want to see more of what do you want to see less of well that's a really interesting question um and you know in the landscape of horror at least since what you mentioned the Blair Witch Project which kind of reinvented the way we look at movies and marketing campaigns too um there's been a lot of trends I mean from found footage we went right into creepy kids and you know slash j-horror remakes which was like everything from the grudge the ring you know things like that which were fantastic and you know kind of changed the game for a lot of things but um from there we went on to uh torture porn which was kind Mm -hmm. of spearheaded i don't particularly care for the term but uh it was spearheaded (laughs) spearheaded by saw and hostile and films like the devil's rejects and and things like that and everything was a lot grimier and darker and then i think people got a lot more sensitive um and we kind of went back into a pg-13 haunted house um type of thing with films like insidious uh and things of that sort and now um what i see and what i'm very happy to see is films are taking a turn back to a more um classical and traditional sense of storytelling um and they're not afraid uh, to embrace the R rating. Um, yeah. You know, you know, you have movies like it movies, like the conjuring franchise, um, the Annabelle films, um, all of those things that are R rated movies. I don't think people always realize that they're R rated films. Um, 
and uh, they're really very classically told. I mean, if you watch them, <clears throat> excuse me, in comparison to something like The Haunting um, or you know one of the Universal Monsters films, that's kind of how those films are told. And uh, I think we're kind of venturing back into this space where studios and filmmakers are, are realizing that an R rating doesn't limit you. It actually opens a lot more doors for you. And um, so right now I believe that we're in probably the best time for horror in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. I think that um, it's better. It's a better time than we've had probably in my entire lifetime. And uh, yeah. that's, that's led by films like that. But as far as tropes go, I think that people are getting, less and less patient with crappy movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's probably contributes to the decline that you were mentioning earlier. But uh, I, so I think that a lot of those kind of things are going away um, because film, film studios and production houses are getting more picky with the content that they pick up and they're more, you know, they're more invested in telling a story than they are having 10,000 jump scares and, you know, nudity and, <laughs> idiot characters so yeah. they're really they're really embracing storytelling they're really embracing character development and uh you know they're they're starting to do things the right way again so I, i'm very and, happy and thank that. god because some of the you know i've seen some bad movies but it seems like bad horror movies are so bad when they're you know mm -hmm. they're like worse than normal bad movies when it's when it's a bad horror movie you get just idiot characters tropes cliches um so i i do believe with you as well that we're in like this horror movie reconnaissance and it's just a great period for, for horror films. And I see a lot of uh, the studios kind of pandering to our nostalgia, kind of like our age yep. group, which mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I am totally <laughs> fine with. Um, so tugging <laughs> on the nostalgia bone, I think is something they're doing as well. Um, but yeah, great yep. time for horror. Absolutely. The, the best in a long time. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so I, I was actually wondering this. Um, I don't know if I put this in, in your agenda, but I wanted to ask, is directing, producing, or acting in a film, horror or unrelated, something you ever think you'll dabble in? I think you have some IMDb credits, don't you? Um, maybe a couple on there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think from an acting standpoint that that's something I would ever do. I've just, <laughs> you know... Uh, that's really not my area, um, but <laughs> leave it to the pros, leave it to the pros. And as far as directing, uh, you know, I, a lot of people think that they, if you know horror films and if you know the industry that you can be a director and it's, it's a really hard and technically focused job that, yeah. uh, I, you know, I'm certainly not capable of unless I went to school for it and, and, you know, dabbled in making short films and things like that. But uh, I, I do think that there'll be a point where, where I want to produce some of my own, you know, materials and work with some close friends who also are in the industry and just kind of, you know, get our creative, creative juices flowing aside from what we do for a living and, and just see what happens. I think that, you know, I'd love to, and I actually plan to work on some short films um, that will be, uh, I think, pretty interesting and fun, but uh, eventually, yeah, I definitely like to be more involved in the filmmaking process. Awesome, man. Would love to see what you can do uh, behind the camera. Oh, thanks. Um, so a lot of our listeners, you know, they're listening because they like movies, TV, et cetera, video games. What yeah. are some tips um, as far as being an industry insider on how to break into that industry? I mean, you know better than anybody coming from some Kankakee-ass town in Illinois <laughs> and, you know, now VP of digital marketing at, at Orion Pictures. 
you know better than anybody what it takes. So what are some tips you can give to listeners who really do want to break into the, into the film industry? Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> there's a lot of different things I could tell people. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, it's a really, really tough industry and, and, if you don't go about it the right way, then it just kind of crushes your soul. And that's something I've seen a lot, uh, unfortunately. But um, if you want to get into the business side of things, you know, like where I'm at with uh, marketing and, um, you know, any kind of business uh, element and publicity, things like that. I think that if you don't have any experience, um, you know, get a little humility and be willing to kind of start your career over, you know, get, yeah get uh, your experience with an unpaid internship or volunteer to help out on set for a film or, you know, start working for one of the uh, like street marketing teams that handles, uh, you know, handing out movie posters and things like that. And just, just get a little bit of experience under your belt. Um, and the best, the absolute best way to do that is to take an unpaid internship. Sometimes they are paid, but usually they're not, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with a studio or with a, with a, entertainment based company and uh, just work really hard and absorb every piece of information that you can. And, and uh, don't take your contacts and um, relationships for granted because that's really what this industry is. It's based on who you know and how you know them. And uh, and it's kind of unfortunate, but if you know somebody, then chances are they're going to open some doors for you. So be a genuine person, let people know the kind of person you are. If you're a good person, um, people will gravitate towards you and they will, uh, they'll find a way to, you know, help you where they can and, and get you where you need to be. So if you're an actor or if you're a director or anything like that, my, my, uh, biggest advice would be to, if you're a director, uh, start with a short film or a series of short films. That's the, the absolute best way to get in the industry. You can showcase that at film festivals and, it really becomes like a pitch for what you can do and, and what you're capable of. So make short films and don't be afraid to, uh, to show them to the world. And with avenues like uh, Crypt TV and um, YouTube Red and all of those, like there's a lot of different places that short films can live that you can actually gain a following and make money. Um, yep. and, if, and if you're an actor, uh, you know, just work as much as you possibly can and don't be afraid to take jobs that are a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit below your pay grade just to get things going because you never know who you'll meet. You never know, um, who you're, you'll cross, cross path, cross paths with. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that happens all the time and people don't realize who they're standing in a room with and it could be your next employer. So just work as much as you can and, and, and don't worry about what your pay is or what kind of credits you're going to get. Just work and get experience and get, get to know people and, and good things will happen. Yeah. So sounds like work your ass off. Don't be a dick and, and network. I mean, that, that's, Absolutely. that's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some movies. Um, I don't really have a list for you. I, I don't want to bore our listeners too bad. We did uh, a ton of top underrated horror movies, but I, I am not to say, I don't have the final say here. You do, man. You are the, the horror movie God over there. So tell me, uh, tell me what you want to, Talk. You got any recommend recommendations for our listeners? Underrated horror movies, stuff that's coming out um, that you think we should keep our eyes on. Uh, I mean, I think you guys had some pretty good lists. Both you and Austin had some pretty good lists on. Uh, Thanks. On the on the site, uh, a lot of those I would definitely recommend as kind of underrated horror films. So, aside from all of the uh, the great ones on your list, um, 
couple that come to mind or several that come to mind. Um, I'm going to have to lead off with Black Christmas from 1974. Uh, that's a movie that not a lot of people really know about. Uh, um, Did they remake this recently? They remade it in 2006. And, was uh, that one any good? Well, they took uh, kind of the Evil Dead approach to the remake. So the uh, original film is a, a very serious, like terrifying, kind of subtle, creepy film. The remake is a goofy, uh, over-the-top gore fest, which it actually works. It's a lot of fun, but uh, you know they, they didn't try to recapture what the magic of the original, which is actually a good thing. But... Uh, yeah. Black Christmas, uh, for anyone who loves, you know, Michael Myers and Halloween and Friday the 13th, Black Christmas is the reason that those films exist. And um, a lot of people don't know this either, but Bob Clark, who directed Black Christmas, also directed A Christmas Story, uh, which is obviously a beloved wow, you know, really? comedy. <laughs> yeah. and uh, That's crazy. And, Bla- and he was actually good friends with, he's dead now, but he was actually good friends with John Carpenter. And uh, when Black Christmas came out, uh, he was talking to John Carpenter about making a sequel. And uh, what he said to John Carpenter is that the sequel, in his mind, would be if the killer went to a different town on a different holiday, and that holiday would be Halloween. And so if you look at it and watch the movie that way, there's a chance that the killer from Black Christmas could be Michael Myers. Um, I've got to watch this one. Thanks for that recommendation. And that, and that you say is officially your favorite horror movie of all time. Yeah. It's not just my favorite horror movie. It's my favorite film ever made. Wow. I think it's an unbelievably terrifying and smart, uh, masterpiece. It's not to be missed. Amazing. But, uh, other than that, I'll just go through a quick, uh, quick list here. Um, sure. uh, the wreck films specifically one and two are, uh, is, is creepy and insane as any, found footage film you'll ever see um do you, do you recommend seeing the uh the original spanish versions with subtitles yes I, I i it's a much more tense film they did a better job with the atmosphere watch wreck over uh quarantine any day and wreck yep. 2 uh it has the, an amazing twist that i don't think anyone would be able to predict and uh, they kept the tension. They ramped the tension up for that film. And it's just as terrifying as the first. I agree. I, I saw Wreck 1 and 2. I think I saw Wreck with you. I'm, I might have seen it in your yeah. basement at some point. And yeah, those are really, really good films that not a lot of people have heard about. Fantastic movies. Um, Midnight Meat Train is another really cool film. Um, I, I, I won't say anything about that because I could easily spoil it. But Okay. Never heard of one. that one. Uh, but uh, yeah. The, 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 plot, the plot is too spoilerific to even reveal? Well, it's, a, it's about... It, it's actually... A, it has a pretty great cast. Uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel, uh, Bradley Cooper's in it. Um, oh, um, shit, really? Vinnie Jones. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's based on a Clive Barker story. And uh, essentially, nice. this photographer sees this guy late night on a train one time. Like He thinks he sees him kill this girl. And so he follows this guy... Um, and uh, uncovers this like crazy gruesome and shocking mystery um but it, it's a cool movie it's like almost like a slasher slash uh creature film it's really cool okay. um a couple others uh the tunnel is a great found footage movie um based on kind of this ur- urban legend uh the people are disappearing homeless people are disappearing under the city in these old t- tunnels and uh this group goes down to see what it is and 
Um, it, it's a really, really scary movie. Definitely claustrophobic and, and, and terrifying. Um, nice. Uh, and I was, I have to mention the Belco experiment just because uh, I'm still yes. convinced, convincing a lot of people to watch that, but I think it's, it's such a fun ride if you love horror films and if you can handle kind of the dark humor that it has. Um, it's a it's a fantastic movie with tons of gore and and uh, really really interesting character dynamics that uh, it's just really smart. And um, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with Belko Experiment. I think uh, the ending is polarizing. You either love it or hate it. But yeah, I, I loved it. I liked uh, every minute of that movie. A uh, very unique scenario they find their, themselves in, and it was it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And um, also, uh, As Above, So Below is another one I'd strongly recommend. It's also a found footage film. Um, for some reason, a lot of people want to hate on that movie, but uh, it's actually really, really... Um, it's kind of... It outlines the, uh, the Dante's uh, Inferno Circles of Hell. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, then you should definitely watch that. Um, awesome. I could go on and on, but uh, the last ones I'll mention are Inside, uh, Martyrs, and Frontiers, all three are uh, what, what we call the uh, French extreme horror films. Um, and they are extreme, but uh, you know firsthand. Um, <laughs> I do. I remember you making me watch Martyrs. And, oh, yeah. my, oh, my but, uh, God. <laughs> it, yeah, that, that is a, that's another very polarizing movie. I think that you either love it or you just can't even watch it. And... Um, you know, love them or hate them, those movies are extremely well done. They're as shocking as any movie you'll see anywhere, anytime. And they they do an incredible job with their storytelling and, and getting you into the characters and just making you believe their situation. So check out any French extreme horror film. Chances are it's just as good, if not better, than what America's doing. Awesome. Well, thank you for those recommendations. I think our listeners will enjoy those. I have some new. I have some new ones to watch. Uh, I feel like we could uh, we could spend all night talking and catching up and just just talking more movies and stuff. But I will let you go. Um, thank you so much for joining, Luke. You guys can follow Luke on Twitter and Instagram at Luke of Horror. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming along, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's a blast, and uh, hope to be on the show again soon. All right, thanks, Luke. All right, what you watching? Andy, what do you what do you what do you got this week? What have you been binging? Austin, I started Better Call Saul. I I didn't even really care about the show, but after I think season three just wrapped, it's got a lot of positive buzz. I've heard it's really good. Um, and I started season one, episode one, and I was pleasantly surprised with kind of the 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 things that they revealed in season one, episode one. They go in a direction that you don't expect, and I was blown away, and I'm excited to watch more of the show. Unfortunately, Stranger... I mean, fortunately, Stranger Things came out, and it has taken a backseat. So that's my first What You're Watching. What are you watching? I watched the first season of Better Call Saul, or the first, like, five episodes. Man, that was yeah. slow. It is slow moving. That was brutal. Yeah. No, I've heard season one is slow, and season two and three really <clears throat> ramp up the, uh, the pace. But I'm in it for the long haul. Screw it. Yeah. All right. Um, what I have been watching, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the cop comedy on Fox, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. legitimately, I think, is the funniest show on TV. Consistently funny. Um, I mean, like, I love Silicon Valley. I love Veep. Both really funny, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine infuses, like, it's a lot more fun than those shows, and it's constant just jokes left and right. It is so much fun. Came back. 
people thought it was going to get canceled, luckily came back. They sort of worked themselves into a hole with the season four finale, um, but they got out of it, not surprisingly, not that they did a ton of legwork with that, but it's really funny, really entertaining. Uh, the entire cast is hilarious, and like Andy Samberg, that's a given, but Andre Brower as the straight man, as the chief in that, is says some of the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life, mainly because his voice is so deep and manly and perfect, and the things that he's saying yeah. are like, he says it in such a serious tone, even though it's stupid, like, him and Andy <laughs> Samberg in one episode, he like, Andy Samberg's trying to get him to like, give nicknames to each other, and then he finally got him to do it, and he was like, Peralta, wait, call me, and then he pauses and he looks around, Velvet Thunder, and it was like, oh my god. <laughs> And he's just completely oh, yeah. deadpan yeah. serious. He, he's not this. cracked a smile in the entire series. He's, he's really good, really good show, especially to throw on in the background at any point of the day. So Austin, pick pick my next comedy because I am at a crossroads here and I need to start a new comedy. It is between Brooklyn Nine Nine and Broad City. Hmm. Oh man, I don't know. I like Brooklyn Nine Nine more, but I think. Broad City might be more your speed. Okay, it is decided. After all that, that uh, building Brooklyn Nine Nine up, you go Broad City. <laughs> I just th- um, I think you. Let's talk about. I, I think no, Brooklyn Nine Nine might might feel a little dumb to you. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I did not like um, Workaholics because I thought it was too lowbrow. But I do plan to give that show another shot one day. Um, all right, let's talk about something we both were watching, and this is The Dark Tower, a very big story spanning seven books and also connects to about 25 other Stephen King novels. I underwent with my brother, other co-writer and co-creator of GlitchUp.com, the reading slash listening to audiobooks of every single book that connects to Dark Tower over the last two years in anticipation of this movie. And it took two years to do. Dark Tower came out, and neither of us thought, saw it in the theaters because of the poor reviews. I was very excited for this movie. I loved Idris Elba as Roland. I loved Matthew McConaughey in the McConaughey and him being an actual good actor now. And I was very, very excited for this movie. And it sucked um, from the reviews. But I saw it with the it sucked expectations, and I didn't mind it. I thought it was an okay movie. Um, I think the next iteration of this is some sort of TV show where they go and look at Roland the Gunslinger's youth and him falling in love. So I'm very excited for that. But this movie, definitely a disappointment. Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty bad. It was Mm -hmm. there was a certain point where it was bad enough that I just stopped paying attention and started doing other stuff while it was on and just sort of like playing in the background. So like I guess it's not like really Mm -hmm. fair for me to give an entire assessment but like it was enough that like i could have turned it off and felt fine and i hate turning off movies it just felt like like you said the story is so big they couldn't cram it into like this one movie and it it, oh man it was just like what it really wasn't it wasn't no i know the 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 plot the plot was like my wife keeps asking me like is this part of the book is this part like nothing like 20 percent of it is part of the book and it was it was kind of yeah annoying it felt, it felt it, like but. generic action sci-fi movie slash kind of yeah. young adult crap and yeah. just like throwing a name of a known entity on it to try and sell better but no. it, yeah i don't yeah. know i i would skip it thanks thanks a lot sony 
Yeah, I would skip it too, and eventually they'll reboot it, and maybe we'll get a better adaptation in 15 yeah. years. Um, what else have you been watching? So I started Mr. Robot Season 3. I was kind of down on Mr. Robot Agreed. on Season 2. I didn't like it as much as Season 1, but Season 3 so far I've really enjoyed, and I think it's coming back with a vengeance. Um, I, I've liked it so far. What about you? I have not watched any of the episodes yet. Okay. Like you said, Season 2, also also down for me. Um, so... Got a little convoluted oh, there. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, a lot of weird plot points, and, and the whole untrustworthy narrator got kind yeah. of annoying because you get invested in a storyline, and then you find out Elliot, the narrator, the main character, is, like, lying to you. And I, I like trying to figure out, like, what the story is and, like, what's going on, but not, like, when it's all in some guy's head. So season three definitely has bounced back in quality. Agreed. Uh, next up on my list here that I've watched, uh, I watched The Babysitter, which is a Netflix horror comedy. It was okay. It was entertaining enough. It was Yeah, I've heard it was... Yeah, it, okay. I mean, it was entertaining enough. It like clearly knows it's not supposed to take itself seriously. It doesn't really star anyone notable. Um, the guy that plays Green Arrow is in it, and then like some dude that made his self-famous from Vine is in it. Um <laughs> <clears throat> it's oh, yeah. uh yeah no it's fairly entertaining i think at a certain point it sort of devolves away from like the hu- the humorous tone that it was in and sort of just tries to go like straight action but yeah i mean it was entertaining enough it's only like an hour and 20 minutes hour and 30 so you can sit down throw it on again this is another one that i wasn't fully paying attention to at a certain point because i was like oh it's just gonna be super stupid but there were a fair amount of jokes that landed that i, I chuckled at yeah this looks good um and it's on netflix now and is like this is spooky mm-hmm. movie time so throw it on um if you had to give it a rating real quick what would it be c plus okay c plus that's kind of yeah. worth your time um i'll go with another scary movie leatherface and i'm gonna refrain from saying too much on this because i might be reviewing it with my buddy luke from orion films uh next week or actually i'm sorry this week potentially tomorrow but leatherface is the origin story of the texas chainsaw massacre killer um it stars steven dorf that's really the only notable name in this film and it was okay um i'm I'm gonna hold off on saying too much more but um probably review this potentially more in full but i would give it like c plus b minus i will obviously i'm watching stranger things we're gonna hold that till next week but my final one is the black coat's daughter so this stars emma roberts you might know her from american american horror story sally draper from mad men she's don draper's daughter and the gal from Sing Street, if you've seen Sing Street. Um, it's actually directed by the son of the person who played Norman Bates in the original Psycho movie. And this movie was friggin' awesome. Uh, it's not super scary, but it's about a couple of people at like an all-girls school, and they get stuck over a winter break because neither of their parents came to pick them up. And stuff starts to go really weird there's potentially some demonic possession and it's it's a really moody atmospheric really well directed film and i believe it's streaming on amazon i was really taken aback by how well this movie was made and i recommend you watch it this spooky yeah i've heard some good some good stuff about that yeah wasn't super scary but really really atmospheric um the rest of my list here i'll I'll go through pretty quick uh i watched better watch out which is another horror movie a little bit more on the yeah, oh, you did bit, watch that? A little that? bit more on nice. the comedy side. Um, it was 
a bit of a letdown for me, I think. Um, it's, it's got What's really it about? good view, reviews. Um, so it's about, again, it's sort of a babysitter situation. This this kid, um, he's pretty old. He's like 13 years old, still getting babysat. Uh, has his babysitter comes over. He's like in love with his babysitter. His babysitter is moving away. So he's like hoping that this night is going to be the night that like he can get a kiss from her or something and profess his love to her. And then some home invaders come. And... It's really twisty and turny throughout the entire movie. I sort of I predicted one twist, then the other twist sort of caught me off guard, and then it went a route that I wasn't happy about after that twist. So I think that's why I was a little bit let down. I would give it a probably a C plus as well. Um, it's interesting okay. enough. There's actually there's some pretty good performances by the kids in the movie. Happy Death Day. I saw nice. that. That it is another horror comedy movie. Um, essentially ground. Yeah, we've talked about yeah. it on the podcast. Essentially, Groundhog yeah. Day situation. This girl gets killed, keeps waking up in the morning, same day, um, until she figures out who her killer is. Everyone in this movie is a terrible person, including the main character, except for the like her love interest. It is unbelievable how every, how shitty everyone is, but like it sort of plays into the comedic effect of it. I'd give it a B minus. Okay. I thought we were actually going to do a full podcast on this. So um, I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard it's just okay. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad we didn't. But a B minus, that's, that's yeah. not bad for a horror movie yeah, coming out of you. Entertaining enough. Yeah. Um, I watched Children of the Corn, <laughs> that movie. The, the, origi- the, like, the Children original, like, Children of the Corn. Wow. And I, I actually don't oh, think man. I've seen well, this. I thought it was supposed to be like this scary thing. And because everyone, like, it's a classic. Everyone knows what Children of the Corn is. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, man. Did yeah. this movie suck? Holy shit. It was so bad. Really? Not helped by the fact that like the acting isn't great because it's a super old movie, but like, oh, whew, it was mind-numbingly wow. bad. I was just like, like no scary points. What? It, what was bad about it? it first off, it wasn't creepy, yeah, it wasn't at, creepy all. at all. Everything took place during the day too, and like, well, that's the scary part. Is it could happen oh, during man, the day? It was, no, I haven't seen it, but I've, I'm just playing oh, devil's advocate. No, it was bad. Skip it. Okay. D. Then I'll lump these last two in together. Both starring Aubrey Plaza. I watched Ingrid Goes West and The Little Hours. Ingrid Goes West is about a girl with some severe mental issues. Uh, she moves out west. She's, like, addicted to social media. Finds some chick on social media who, like, responds to her comment. She moves out west to try and become best friends with her. Devolves from there. Decent movie. Give it a B. Little Hours is okay. tough to explain. Um tough to explain <laughs> watch the trailer for little hours and what the hell is this movie yeah, about it's, uh, man it, yeah it's tough to explain i'd say watch the trailer so i don't take up any more time here but uh that would also get a b from me it's fairly funny but it's really just stretching like the idea that would be for like a sketch or a skit on like snl and making it more vulgar and stretching it into feature length um surprisingly works okay. interesting okay. so that's it for what you watch in this week um Hopefully you've got a couple things that you can watch or avoid now. All right, so that's that's it for this week. Um, we will be back next week, hopefully, with a review of Stranger Things Season 2 and maybe Thor Ragnarok. Yes, yeah, we're going to we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, <laughs> and hopefully we might be able to do it together in the same room. Oh, yes, uh, I'll be visiting you, so hopefully we'll see it together and um, we'll get some, some yep, live should. hot takes. We'll be tweeting. Yep, should be good. All right, thank you for listening again. Remember to use glitchup.com slash Amazon for your Amazon ordering needs. Um, like us on social media, subscribe, give us a little review, hopefully five stars. Give us any feedback you got for us, and, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Peace.